podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. And today is 176th episode of Career Care Package. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about job search in Australia during Christmas and how to find a job during Christmas or the festive season. That's what we are going to talk about today. There's an old saying that you know, Melbourne or Victoria shuts down from uh, Cop Day, uh, which is the second Tuesday of November, and it, it reopens on the Australia Day long weekend. So to help us burst this myth, we have invited Renata Bernardi to, and she's, you know, when we spoke for, you know, uh, for the first time, she said, let's talk about misconception of end of the year job hunting. And I said, you know what? I also have a lot of misconception about it because that's a question that I get asked a million times and specifically from migrants who are said, um, is it worthwhile for us to come during November because everything shuts down in December and I can try to convince them, give my advice, but you know what, I don't know whether that, uh, you know, whether that's true or not true. So I'm also going to learn from you, Renata, as other, the listeners are also going to learn as well. So but before we speak to Renata, let's welcome Caroline Brown. Thanks, Nish. And I think I shut down between Melbourne Cup Day and Australia Day. I don't know, I might have started that rumour. No, I actually heard um, a career coach years ago say it, and I'm like, oh, it probably does slow down. But I reckon, well, it does slow down, but I don't think it shuts down. But I reckon this year is a bit different. So really lovely to have you here today, Renata, to talk about it. Um, Thank you. Maybe Thank no, it's, yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, maybe a good place to start is to tell, introduce yourself to our audience and talk about the work that you do. Sure. So I'm Renata Bernardi. I am a career coach. I host the Job Hunting Podcast. I've been um, working uh, as a career coach full-time all of this COVID year. And I started my career coaching business last year. But I've been coaching and mentoring since 2008. And I really, it's the love of my life. I really enjoy doing it. I think, you know, you both know what I mean. I mean, you, you do it yourselves and, and it's just such a great feeling to be able to support other professionals with their careers. Um, I um, have been working from home here in Melbourne, supporting people from all over the world. I have clients all over the world, really. It's really a delight to work with people from Africa, Southeast Asia, um, the US and the UK. It's really fantastic. And, I, and it's really, um, I'm very grateful that I thought of having this podcast that reaches out to 50 countries and, you know, kind of brings these amazing people to me. And it's, you have to adopt um things to different countries and different cultures, of course, but there's a lot of commonalities in job hunting across the, the globe, more mm. so than I ever, ever thought. So it's really fantastic. It is pretty amazing. And I only realised that it was just how global it was when one of my clients was in uh, Bowral in New South Wales and um, wanted to go and work in London. So she just based herself in London and worked in the Australian market and then went to Paris and did the same thing. So, yeah, we really are in a global market. But so what do you what do you find at this time of the year? What what generally happens in the job market from your perspective? Well, there is no question that um, there is this frantic um, um, work from normally. Let's talk about a normal year before COVID, mm. right? So, 
this time around end of November, big organizations frantically trying to fill in roles and also restructure, unfortunately. So there's a lot of redundancies that happen between November, December, and a big uh, redundancy uh, protocols that happen during this time. And, um, and then there is a, a, a bit of a slowdown, middle of December up until end of January, especially here in Australia. Um, however, I have to say that for the past, let's say, two years, recruiters and headhunters have been telling me that January has been very busy. It has been very busy for them. And in the recruitment world, there are lots of women that have kids that take time off and stay home. And the conversation at the beginning of this year in February was, we need to better plan for 2021 because we mm -hmm. can't have happen again. We had clients and their clients are employees who want to advertise roles and there's nobody here to care for them or take care of the job candidates and so on. And um, so this was even before COVID. Now we have COVID and we're all kind of at a different pace depending on which country you are. So some countries are very busy, others are just about to go into lockdown, others are coming out of lockdown. Everything is very dynamic. It's a VUCA world, very complex. And ideally what you want to do as a job hunter who is um, in a hurry to get a, to get a job is to keep a finger on the pulse and not slow down. However, if you have just been made redundant or if you're exhausted, take a break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we need to give ourselves some time off uh, at times. And, you know, there are people that have had wonderful careers, but have never stopped, never taken a sabbatical, never taken leave, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's important for you to remember that it's you're not going to be a great job candidate if you present yourself tired, exhausted, and rambling and overwhelmed to an, a senior um, executive officer, sorry, a search officer or hiring manager. You need to be confident, you need to be rested, and you need to go through the grieving process as well. Mm -hmm. So depending on who you are, you know, and your personality, you may need to go through a stage where you just watch some Netflix, spend mm -hmm. time with your family, and then come back to the job search. I'm not that type of person. I've never been that type of person personally. I've been without jobs during um, the festive season three times in my um, professional life. And I just haven't been financially well enough to allow myself uh, the time off. But mm. also my mind doesn't rest like that. <laughs> I need to keep it going. And, you know, I've developed these three ways, and I can talk a little bit about it, these three ways that you can continue to keep a finger on the pulse, as I said before, without um, the overwhelm, with, without feeling stressed, and also giving your family or whatever other activity you want Want to do during the festive season, giving it the time it deserves. Mm. Which leads on to the question: What are those three ways? <laughs> well, one thing that people don't realize when they lose a job, and if they haven't—I um, mean, you, you probably know this, both of you—if they lose a job, they haven't been without a job. Is that job hunting is a full-time job? Mm isn't it? It is a full-time job. It can be a part-time job and it can be something you do as a side hustle, but it is a job nevertheless. So if a client comes to me and let's say that client is a senior executive who has moved from job to job to job through headhunting or through, you know, just being very lucky all of their careers, or if they've been in one organization all their lives, you know, I sometimes have clients who have been in the same organization for two decades. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't know that. They don't know that job hunting is something you do all day long. Or if you uh, want, you can do it part-time. Or if you want, you can do it in what I call a light version. But you, you need to organize your schedule. It's, it's, it's a job. Um, so I have a full-time schedule, a part-time schedule, and a light schedule. 
-hmm. and you adopt one of those depending on your um, time commitment. So if you're going into very heavy festive mode and you need to bake the turkey and host the parties and and do a lot of shopping and and you know take care of kids maybe you can't do it full time but if you don't have a family or if you hate christmas <laughs> and you don't even celebrate anything why would you you know this is a time when uh yes maybe things are a bit slower but also there um there's less supply of candidates People have more time for you. They might, um, you know, be better, more ready to have catch-ups and coffees. Job hunting is not just applying for jobs. Job hunting is developing networks. I mean, what Nisha had mentioned before about migrants coming to Australia, you're not going to land here and get a job, right? You and I know that. You and I are migrants. You can land here and you need to develop your network. You need to develop an understanding of the job market. There's a whole vicarious learning that comes from just sitting down in a cafe at one-on-one -on -one Calling Street or triple three Calling Street and observing people. If you're new to call to Melbourne, observing the market. Not, not now because now there's no one there. <laughs> But normally, you know, I would you know, the first thing I would recommend international students and migrants to do is just go to Calling Street and have a coffee. Just stay under one of those big buildings and watch people come in and out. Watch how they operate. So that is part of job hunting as well. Be mm -hmm. mindful of all of that. So, yeah, so those are the three ways. And um, I have a workshop happening next week, free workshop, uh, where I will go through this um, three um, types of routines in detail. But I, I'm happy to go through some of it with you now if we have time. I just don't want to mm -hmm. be talking all, all, <laughs> all 60 minutes. You tell me how much content you want me to give now. That's okay. Uh, that's really good. So Balin says that uh, good news Victorians can go to Queensland. Absolutely, Balin. Uh, and Meha has a question or a comment that this is so relevant for uh, me. I've just lost my job at Woolworths Marketing. Uh, sorry to hear that, Meha. And was wondering if this is going to be a super difficult during this time. I think people who have just recently been, and I think you, you've alluded to that, a lot of people, uh, you know, lose job during this time because of redundancies, because of the contract coming to an end and everything else. So one thing that you suggested is to keep, uh, you know, adapt to the festive season. Either you can have a full eight-hour day schedule, you can have a lighter one, or you can have, you know, a bit part-time one as well. So tell us about about the the uh, the approaches. So. Should I still be using the same formula that I would use even in uh, before, uh, you know, festive season? That is calling up people, trying to book appointments, uh, you know, reaching out to recruiters, reaching out to employers directly, using LinkedIn effectively. Are there? Should I be continuing with that, or should I have a twist around that as well, Renata? That's a very good question because. You're right. I mean, uh, the what the activities that you need to do are pretty much the same. Maybe the tone is different. Maybe the way that you approach people is mindful that they may be at home with kids. You know, kids are out of school. Maybe you need to add some small chat to your conversation and understand that, you know, even though you are in a hurry, they may have other commitments. So maybe you're booking appointments for mid-January. I mean, I am already booking appointments for end of January. And I think that it, it, as frustrated as this may be for somebody who is job hunting, that's the best that you can do. But remember, um, the silver lining is that you're that person's first appointment. They will be refreshed, reinvigorated, and, and, and you know, and you are ahead of the game. So keep thinking about all the silver linings. I've been in that situation, as I said, three times, and um, you you get better and better at it <laughs> as you um, are made redundant. But even so, like um, when I was made redundant from my last job at Monash University um, two years ago, I was shocked. I didn't see it coming. I, I knew redundancies were happening. I, I was trying desperately to save my team. 
like desperately to save my team and I saved everybody but myself but perfectly mm-hmm. honest that's what happened to me and um my my boss was uh absolutely wonderful in giving me all I mean it was the best practice approach to making somebody redundant you know Ken was wonderful gave me you know you can choose how you leave you can choose how the communication is done let's you know um look at the clauses together let's do everything that we can to make this as easy as possible and still i grieved and still i was heartbroken and still the next day i crashed my car Mm -hmm. (laughs) i basically had a car accident and i was in bed for a few days and i i was really sore all over and that's when i realized I know all of these things and still I struggle, right? So you have to give yourself, your mind and your body, the ability to rest and grieve and go through the motions of the grieving process. You have to go through that. And I thought to myself, okay, I am going to, I got this great package. I got this, you know, um, all of the the good things uh, that come out of, redundancies it is a blessing in in many ways Um, I'm going to take time off and I'm just I'm going to worry in February that's what I thought and then three weeks later I was like "Mm, I'm ready (laughs) you know because I I love I love uh, the competition of job hunting you know I'm I love it so much I'm glad that I'm now helping others because I can't just keep doing it all myself right like I otherwise I'll be changing jobs every six months just so that I can go through the motions I actually do enjoy it and I don't think it needs to be stressful or overwhelming I think it can be fun and it can be um, motivational and inspiring and it can be a great learning experience and you can grow as a person and as a professional as a leader even if you do it right and if you do it well and and it can grow your network as well, a network that will sustain you, not just so that you get that next job, but that sustain you for the rest of your career. If you make great connections with headhunters and recruiters and hiring managers, they may have a job for you five years from now, right? So mm-hmm. it is a great time um, to, um, to have more time to yourself um, because usually, you know, if you, if you're rested and you're at home and you're enjoying yourself, you like I will go to the beach, have a great time, come back. I'm not really a super Netflix person. I'm either sort of binge watching something or I don't want to do anything. Then I'm just very keen to just sit in front of my computer and just plan my career and plan my life. And now I do that for others. Hmm. What are some of the basic things? I mean, I was just reflecting on what you're saying about your position being made redundant and, you know, grief comes up in different forms for people and you may not even realise that that's what you're experiencing. I think it'd be helpful to talk about what are some of those things that you might experience because you mentioned having a car accident and I know when I'm uh grieving I become less attentive like I just and you know I do have little accidents here and there so what are some of the things that you do see with people that might help people understand what they go through when they they lose a job that are just not the sort of standard things oh I think that there is a great um uh, books and articles that I share with clients and followers and mm-hmm. I'd love to post some of those uh after this on my Uh, LinkedIn so that people can find them or send it to you and you can post them Um, but uh, what happened is people feel um, usually um, job hunters have this uh, financial anxiety of being without a job and it's exacerbated if they're made redundant or fired at the end of the year there's a lot of bills that come at the end of the year. The um, most depressing day of the year is the 21st of January. Mm. Between the 18th and the end of January um, are, you know, very depressing days. It's uh, uh, well-known, well-researched. Um, lots mm. of bills come at that time, and we usually overspend during Christmas. Um, so you, you have all of those things that compound. And in, in, in Christmas and in the festive season, as great as they are, they're also... Um, they can be very uh, a source of anxiety, you know, meeting mm. members and 
it's not all it doesn't always turn out well <laughs> for mm. some people and there's a um a sense of that you're comparing yourself with others maybe brothers or sisters or cousins so all of that like it would just be made redundant it's just like oh it's, i don't want to come to my parents house it's it, you have that sense of loss and you lose that sense of self um and um this idea that you need to immediately jump into another opportunity and see a recruiter very quickly is something that I beg my clients not to do. Mm -hmm. I, because the, the recruit, you are not a client for the recruiter. Mm -hmm. The client is the hiring manager, the employer. And the recruiter, as much as they are great people, they're lovely people, recruiters are really awesome. And as much as they care about you, they can only bring to their clients the top people, the ones that can hit the ground running, the ones that are confident and ready, not the ones that are struggling with their sense of purpose, struggling mm. with self-control, with anxiety. So you need to present yourself when you have overcome all of those grieving processes that can take between you know three weeks to three months to six months. Everybody is different and everybody goes through that sense of uh, loss um, differently. It really depends on, on how it happened to you and how much stress has been compounded over the months. So some people have that stress or um, uh, bullying or narcissistic bosses that have just been, it just adds up, doesn't it? For months mm. and months and months, you're just coping at work. And then not only you coped for years at times, and then you're made redundant. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> mm. You know, after all I've been through, you've made me redundant. Are you crazy? So it can take a while. But ideally, you know, as a coach, what you want to do is to reduce that friction on unemployment, mm. give your, um, your client, the, jo the job candidate, a sense of confidence that, you know, that, that confidence back, make sure that they understand what their strengths are, develop their pitch and support them throughout uh, because it's a very lonely process to go through mm -hmm. job hunting by yourself. Here you have the employer with a whole team, a whole team. They have mm -hmm. the hiring manager, they have recruiters, they have the selection panel, they have sometimes lawyers, they have a whole bunch of people making them look great. If, mm. Even though many times they're not great, you know, you look at a job ad and it seems like it's the most fantastic organization in the world until you start working there <laughs> and you, you find out it isn't, right? So they paint a picture that they are super perfect and then you have this lonely candidate that looks at that, you know, list of responsibilities or selection criteria and you think, oh my goodness, who am I to apply for this role? Like, it's just so fantastic. And the coach can help you hmm. bring some sense of perspective, remind you of who you are, position yourself well, and guide you through that negotiation, get you a better salary, really. Hmm. Like just making sure that you're not so desperate that you just sign on the dotted line without even, you know, like many times, I mean, you guys know this, a, a client will get five to $10,000, if not more, um, just, taking time to review um, a, a, a contract or a package, right? Just adding bonuses and things like that. So, yeah, that's, um, I don't know if I answered your question. I'm just going on and on and on. I can talk in the water. I'm a Brazilian. <laughs> uh, that's really fantastic. If you've got questions for Renata, please keep them coming. Renata, what? do you think would be different uh you know this year in job seeking what what's all the trends that you've seen uh are a bit different or how do you think so two two aspects uh, to the question and have you seen a difference in terms of how employers are also looking for talent and have you seen some uh, difference between how job seekers are also approaching employers Yes. Well, you guys have been doing this every day, so I'm, I'm assuming that you've heard so many, you know, great people giving you intelligence. And this is the best way for people that are on the market to get intelligence, because the truth is, we're, this is very dynamic. 
we are just creating the road roadmap as we go along. You and I are just a few steps ahead of our clients because this is all VUCA world. This is volatile, complex, ambiguous, and we and complex, and we're trying to figure it out as well. What we have seen is um, so a few things. So when I finished with Watermark Search earlier this year, I left them with um, a, a report on how to develop um, processes that are more dynamic and looking into uh, developing their ability to use foresight instead of forecast. And, and this goes not only for recruiters and employers, but also for job hunters, right? And then we had um, Slade Group came up with a report uh, a few weeks ago um, talking about personal agility, which basically is you have to agile, you have to be agile, you have to be ready to hit the ground running. And if you've been without a job all of 2020 and you're getting a job now, you will find organizations very different from 2019. So you have to uh, be okay with that and be okay with the, the vulnerability of not knowing, right? Um, you have to up your skills in being able to work remotely, uh, communicate remotely, feel comfortable. We cannot afford anymore to have calendars that don't sync, people that don't know how to use WebEx, and oh, I can do Zoom, but I can't do Skype. Sorry, mate, now is not the time for you not to know. You have to know all the things. Eventually, we will. Um, develop best practices and so on. But right now you have to, you know, if you're not comfortable with these technologies, spend time every day making sure that you know where your microphones are, that you have headsets. I mean, we, we tested some different ways of connecting today. You have to have everything ready, right? Um, and, uh, but the truth is, we don't know. In fact, uh, we don't know how the job market is going to perform December, January. It could be very busy. It could be, it could be really busy, right? And we have to read between the lines. So if a uh, friend of mine called me today and, and they work in government and they're telling me they're taking three, three weeks off in January, what does that tell me? It tells me that the Premier of Victoria is not really worried about the economy. It's giving their <laughs> staff time off. Yeah, and, you know, they finally can rest. They finally can take time off. And that means it's good for business. That means, you know, I'm reading between the lines. Okay, this is great. They're not worried. I shouldn't be worried. The economy is going to be okay. And we can go on and... and Advertise more, find more businesses. How, how are employers going to hire? Is it going to be permanent or contract? We don't know. Everybody's still unsure. All the big projects, projects that uh, were budgeted for in 2019 had to be tweaked around and, and stopped and so on. So we need to kind of give our, ourselves some time until we understand what will be relevant for 2021 and beyond and be ready to be flexible with employers and also be ready to understand that people that have been at work have taken pay cuts and you have to remember that. So if um, executives have paid, have taken pay cuts, then if you're job searching, you have to remember that your range may have to be flexible. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think there is you know, enough evidence in the market that a lot of people have taken the heat in their, in their remuneration and a lot of people have also started to think uh, you know, differently as well. I, I, I think that idea of personal agility is, is very, you know, right now it's, it's you know, if I can put this word, it's a very, very great fantasy of of uh, job seekers it's a it's a great word i think obviously you know it in in it services agile has been used very frequently there is catch on this idea that you got to have personal 
agility or you're going to have an agile career. And that's a that's a great idea. But when we start to really look at I start to look at my career and say, if there's something happens, can I really, you know, change something in one month, two months or not, right? And I'm struggling. I'm I'm in my head, given the awareness that I have about myself and everything is I still find it, you know, it it's not easy because because I have accumulated so much that it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be very difficult. It's like, you know, it's it's on my shoulder and for your, you know, the, the world wants me to completely steer the Titanic in a different direction, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's easy, it's, it's easy uh, on, on a piece of paper that looks fabulous. You know, I can, you know, say that, Renata. At the same time, I think, I think it, we should, at least I, I am aware that it's not particularly, uh, what we say, simple sometimes for people to do that. And I think as a coach, we are doing everything. As a coaches, we are doing everything to help, you know, you know, clients make that adjustment, small, small adjustment to make that maneuver. But I think it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. What are your because, you know, we also work with, and, you know, we all work with them. It's, it's, it's not, one is the question more strategical but small small manuals well, you, you were coming in and out so i don't know that i um uh could hear everything you said but i want to address personal agility because it's a a really dear topic of mine uh, I, uh in the um job hunting podcast i interviewed uh mary and rue and we spoke about this um so you know so let me tell you a story about the job hunting podcast i launched the uh my platform um late last year uh, it turned one year on the first of 31st of october with the job hunting podcast and my courses and my social media platform and so on and I had a batch of, of interviews prepared and then COVID hit in March. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know that I can coach anyone under these circumstances. You're kidding me? I mean, this is me taking a massive hit. I thought, I, I always knew I was going to be a career coach. I always knew that it's, it's been a lot of my life and um, something that I really enjoy doing. Um, I, I kind of brought it forward when I was made redundant uh, at Monash and and I thought, okay, I'll, I just can't take another permanent job, at least not now. I really want to give this a go. So I took a massive hit, um, a, a massive hit risk, and then I thought, wow, okay, this is crazy. And I was very lucky that I had booked already to interview this American uh, disaster avoidance expert. So he is a organizational psychologist whose expertise is helping clients avoid disasters. And we were going to talk about redundancies, but then we spoke about, of course, a pandemic. And he said, look, we are not designed as animals, as human beings, to deal with slow-moving, unseen threats. We're designed to deal with a tiger in front of us. We're designed to live in a savanna and see a tiger and either fight or run. That's why we went to the supermarket and we bought all the toilet paper. Because we, we can control things like that, things that we see. So we do those things. But when it's something like, climate change or career progression, right? Why would we need, he mentioned something really funny, why would we need to think about our careers inside our caves? Would we be better, you know, at doing arrows or, you know, chipping food or, or doing fires? No, once you learn how to do a fire, you learn how to do a fire, right? So we don't invest in those things. We don't understand the importance of doing those things because we don't understand the risk. And it is a very big risk for somebody in IT, for a project manager, for a senior executive, for every career. If you don't invest in career readiness and professional development, you risk be, being left behind as you get older, right? So, um, Personal agility is very much in line with that. And when I run my Reset Your Career program, which is online now, but I've been running it for a while, uh, 
the first thing I say is you have to have this agility to never be in a position where you are a slave to your job. There's nothing worse than you not being able to move away from your job for financial reasons, for example, which my husband and I have promised ourselves that we would never be in that situation again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and actually, I mean, being a migrant, you, I guess you know what I mean. When you move countries, you, you, you are in a very um, difficult financial situation most of the time. Some people are not, but, you know, we were. We came here, you know, we were quite well, and then there was a big... Um, exchange rate jump from one day to another basically september 11 was like whoop and then we lost all of our money Mm. we lost all of our money from day to night and then my husband spent five months without getting paid because he worked for united airlines and the systems were all over the place they filed for bankruptcy they were you know and we didn't get paid from september until end of march so i had to find a job and you know you you have we worked towards having the agility to always walk out of anything that didn't fit us that we felt uncomfortable not because we're spoiled but because we want to be well we want to have you know um purpose and pride in what we do and he you know he's been with his company for 12 years now I think so you know but we know that we have this opportunity if we need to and having that financial independence or agility and personal agility to know that if tomorrow I need to drive an Uber I will drive an Uber if tomorrow I need to go back to university and reskill I will do that and that's absolutely okay and nobody should be embarrassed or ashamed or worried about it. I am 48. I'll probably be working for another 20 years or more. Why wouldn't I spend two years at uni if that means I will be a better professional for the next 18 years? Right? So we need to start thinking more long term and not just about what's right in front of us because there are no tigers in front of us. Mm. I love that analogy because I guess, you know, I always find with my clients, you could say, for example, people wanting to get a resume that they'll come, I don't know, usually after Christmas, like New Year's, it's like New Year, New Career, it's time to change. And then nine months later, they'll pop back into my inbox and go, well, actually, there's a redundancy on the cards. And so we kind of, yeah, we're, we're great at responding to the immediate threat, but not the, the longer term threat. And I can really see that. But Nesh, I just wanted to speak to your point around, am I being locked? I mean, you guys, Renata, you have a podcast. We've been doing this for um, since March. There's so many ideas you get from, from talking to people. If you sat down and you mapped it out about the different skills that you've gained just in this period, They'd be huge and miles ahead of other people that that haven't done that kind of stuff. So I think sometimes you get very blinkered and limited, but even a quick conversation with somebody different, different ideas can really um, open that up. Um, We've got a question or a comment from Poonam who said, says, uh, the job market's not looking good at the moment. Nothing working so far on the job front. I've stopped job hunting um, just trying to upgrade my skills. What else can we do? Um, who wants to tackle that? <laughs> well, I have a different view about that uh, because mm-hmm. some recruiters have been telling me that there are not that many um, candidates for the roles, and mm-hmm. um, they have, for the first time in a long time, have to advertise paid advertise for roles that are not being filled. Mm. I've had headhunters call me to ask if they have if I have clients because they are not getting um, good candidates um, for roles. Also because you see the way that the market works is you would have the people that are currently on the market so they're uh, in frictional unemployment. Frictional unemployment means they're in between jobs. And then uh, they would also have candidates applying for roles that are currently employed and willing to jump from one ship to another. These people are not applying for roles because when mm-hmm. we are in a crisis situation that we are right now, 
people refrain from taking risks. Mm. So those people are not applying for jobs. They are, you know, if I have a, a permanent job or if I have a, a long-term contract, I better stay here for now. I'm not going to be under a probation because I'm, you know, don't want to rock my boat. So the truth is you have all these opportunities. If people are um, keen to use their redundancies to make big lifestyle changes. So I interviewed um, Alistair Freeman twice for my podcast, end of last year and again a few weeks ago. He used his redundancy at NAB to not leave Melbourne and, and move to country New South Wales. And if you decide to go to regional areas, the jobs, they haven't disappeared. They have remained pretty much the same throughout this year, uh, throughout COVID. And this is... Um, the Regional Australian Institute has great data on their website, great metrics and lovely um, interactive ways of looking at different towns and looking at which towns would better suit you. There is one that kind of ranks towns by their, you know, the sort of cultural and arty um, sort of um, events and things like that so you can go to their website and, and check out what they have there so you know you can do that but if you want to stay where you are uh you might need to be like let's say it's melbourne or sydney you might need to wait until we recover because melbourne has gone through a massive massive i mean the most aggressive lockdown so of course it will take us longer to recover from that but we will recover and we just need to give ourselves some time um to, to recover. And of course, some sectors and some professions have been more affected than others. So, you know, this is the reason why I, I mean, you, you have solutions for this for your clients as well, but this is why I'm running this free workshop next week because people want to continue to job hunt. I don't want people to feel anxious during the holiday break. And many people are going through um, sector change. So I, I was talking to a client this morning and he's like, oh, you know, do you think I should apply for this sector or that sector? And, and you know, some sectors are more um, open and friendly to transferable skills than others. And we're going to be talking about that as well in the, in the workshop. Yeah, it's interesting. Excellent. Oh, sorry, Nish, you're going to say something? Or? Uh, no, no, no. I was just going to also respond to Poon of that. I, I think um, you know upgrading skill is is probably uh, probably very smart move um, at this point in time. And and I, I think uh, you know uh, to Renita's point around the the invisible danger that we are in. I I think you can actually see some of those uh, you know skill changes happening in your industry if you really you know observe trends if you really you know check you know what your association has been saying and if you really read through a lot of things i think a lot of us have got a have got some idea around the the dramatic changes happening in our industry and whether that can be bridged through just purely yeah. skills or through networking opportunities or anywhere else i i think that requires also you know, a bit of bit of awareness about the about the changes happening and observing. I like the what analogy Renata pointed out around the, you know, if a new migrant comes in, and I, I know I used to sit at Flinders Street Station and observe people going, uh, you know, back and forth. Obviously, I was too overwhelmed. I, I probably did not observe a lot. I was just feeling too overwhelmed, you know, constantly hearing this English English, you know, going on. I said, oh, this is this is very strange happening with but if i look at if you know if you if you look at the same picture that in in the industry if you observe what's happening if you observe where people are moving and really dedicate some time towards yeah. it you know you just it doesn't happen by itself you've got to deliberately take time out and sit down and really really you know browse through articles look at people's linkedin profile and see how they have moved where they have moved what are they doing I think yeah. those are those are the things, connections that you got to make in order to then arrive at a conclusion that this is probably a good path for me, and then you can go and and check 
you know, kind of assess that calibrate path with any of the career practitioners all across Australia, where then you're, you're presenting them with your findings and say, this is what I found. This is where my skills are. You know, this is what I think is happening in the industry. What are your thoughts? These are some of the probable pathways that I'm thinking of. What are your thoughts? Or can you help me make a decision? I think then, then it is more participative and more far more engaging conversation rather than going, I don't know what to do. You know, just help me out here, right? Now, you know, then then you what you are what you are entering into is a is a is a far more long-term engagement. But at the same time, that's what career practitioner will ask you to do is to go away, do the research, and then bring back the findings. So yeah, that's what I, I think. KB, anything you wanted to add? No, I think it's interesting because every every sector has trends, right? Our, our sector has trends. Um, you know, video interviewing is just a tiny example of that. Or, you know, AI and recruitment, for example. You know, how do you beat the bots? And the bots are getting smarter. Just if you can look at what they are in your sector and go, how do I gain that particular skill? Or could I use that as an excuse, my interest in that skill as an excuse to go and meet a few people and have a chat about it? And again, you know, that curiosity can open up some um, opportunities. But with um, Poonam, you, I think also, you know, get some good feedback on what's going on for you. You know, it might not be, it might be something in your resume. It might be something in how you're communicating with people. Yeah. It might be something in how you're balancing, you know, what you do in your job search. Just try and look at it more analytically and get somebody, you know, if you can't afford a career coach, and not everybody can, get somebody who you trust to, to you know, have a look at those things for you. Because yeah. um, often we have big blind spots about what gets in our way. It's so um, interesting, isn't it, the blind spot? I, um, I'm so interested because, as you know, all of our clients, yours and mine, are so smart. Mm. So smart. And sometimes I get a client, I have a client who's also a very good friend of mine. In fact, I um, I told her, are you sure you want to be coached by me? Maybe I can recommend somebody else. You know, like, <laughs> and she's so smart and so well spoken, and her job is to communicate well. Like this is her mm. life. You know, she's really, really good at this. And and she contacted me to say I I blew it at the interview. I just couldn't communicate on my greatest strength, mm. and it's because it's such a great strength of hers that it's almost blasé you walk in mm. and it's not arrogance it's really like it's obvious to me that this is my strength mm. <laughs> so how do you actually pitch it to others if it's so obvious to you mm. it's very hard so that's why people find it so hard and um and i uh, you know i i struggle with this idea that career coaching has to be expensive so i have mm. all these very um, affordable products on my website and I'm making them as cheap as I can and, and and scaling and one of the things that I do is LinkedIn audits so I go through people's LinkedIn's top to bottom and it's, it's fairly inexpensive and I did one over the weekend and people just it's everything is automated they, they fill out the form they pay I do it send it over to them and she said recruiters are I can see recruiters are landing on my page but they're not contacting me hmm. She was just a super professional. Like I, 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 I'm like, okay. I landed on her page, and immediately I knew what was wrong. <laughs> like it was so, share. like I, I just like you are using all the keywords, so the recruiters are finding you with the bots, mm. right? They're finding you through the the, the search engines uh, that they use with the LinkedIn and they're getting here about your about session is, is telling them go away like the second sentence was already telling them something that was like okay I'm not really interested you know like and I'm like oh okay moving on let's look at somebody else right <laughs> so when in fact she was very keen she was mm -hmm. very interested um to to find a new job and I 
I told her, please contact me in three to four weeks because I want to make sh I want to really know if uh, <laughs> if this is going to fix it. I think it was just such a. Of course, we went through the entire LinkedIn as I often do, but I think it was just that. Um, and th th there are so many uh, blind spots, and I want to address a big blind spot that has to do with the idea of reskilling that I mentioned before. This idea that people uh, and my husband is. Um, very guilty of this uh, every time he is without a job which has been hasn't been in a while he would say i need to go back to university and do a full master's degree i don't know <laughs> if you have clients like that i i have a client who um signed up with me three months ago very senior had been with an organization for uh, almost two decades and she said i need to go and do an mba and i said you do not you do not need to go into an MBA. You need to know how to job hunt. You have never job hunted. You know, you started with this organization when you were a child and you've now, you are at the apex of the organization. You're a C-level now and you don't know how to sell yourself. So you're not going, I mean, the first thing she told me was that she was going to spend thousands of dollars, you know, on an MBA. And Three months later, which is a very short time for a C-level, she found herself a job. She started working last week, which even it even surprised me. Like, you know, I told her she was going to get a job within six months. She got a job within three months. Not only she got a job, they're going to pay for her master's. Mm. So that you, you built those, uh, this, those things into um, your your salary package, right? So this is the best time to to reskill at that expensive level is in fact when you have a job. Mm. And when you are in between jobs, it's just those things like, for example, what you said before, Carolyn, knowing how to do video interviewing. If you can learn how to do that, hire a coach to help you, you know, hire mm. you, you know, to somebody to help you with video interviewing. That is just those little conversions at every step of the recruitment process you know what is wrong with your job application then what's wrong with what's wrong with your pitch what's wrong with your interviewing skills so that you're converting at every um piece of the puzzle until you get your job makes sense excellent Renata. look you know thank you again for joining us it's been fascinating to to catch up with you and thank you again for reaffirming our confidence in end of the year a job hunt and we will put the link to renita's uh, website and the podcast that she does as well in the live chat and feel free to connect with renita as she posts some amazing content and and insights in her linkedin posts and blogs and articles as well so thank you again renita for joining us and we wish you all the best congratulations you two are doing an amazing job i'm so impressed <laughs> thank well, you thanks for having me Thank you. Um, so if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're watching this on LinkedIn, follow the hashtag career care package. And tomorrow we're talking about the three P's, aren't we, Nish? How to power that's up. That's right. We are talking to Dre. That's right. We are talking to Dre McLaughlin. In, uh, he's coming from Brisbane all the way. And we are talking about interviews, uh, 3P, the framework that he has developed. So until we see you tomorrow, everyone have a safe evening. Have a great evening. And bye for now, everyone. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode, or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.